Welcome to day 289 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. I'm here with Matthew Kresge and his friends, Cindy Camp and David Keeve. <laughs> and uh, we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. We come to a really uh, nice you know, section in Matthew uh, where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain. He's you know, transfigured in front of their you know, very eyes, and they, they get a glimpse of his, of his glory. And, of course, we know from, you know, John 17 that uh, Jesus prayed that they would be able to see the glory that he had, you know, with the Father before the creation of the world. And you see just a small glimpse of it. It also builds on this, you know, kind of interesting into, uh, you know, uh, verse, you know uh, chapter 16, mm-hmm. verse 28. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so we get a glimpse and a foretaste of that. And we'll talk about what that means a little bit more mm-hmm. as, as, as we continue to read. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, the beauty of your word, the gift of your word, the very breath that you have placed by your spirit into your word that breathes life into us. And Father, may you in this moment take from the things that belong to Jesus and make them ours and continue the work you began in us and carry it to completion until the day of Christ. You're a gracious and holy God. We thank you for every good gift. We thank you uh, for the cross of Jesus Christ, for the presence of the Holy Spirit, and and for the truth of Scripture. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took Peter with him, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, why then did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah comes and will restore all things, but I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they cannot heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he'll be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. 
After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, uh, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Does your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came to the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom did the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. What an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, to come to the end of the, you know, our section mm-hmm. on paying taxes. I've tried this several times and I've never found enough yeah. money in the mouth of a fish to pay <laughs> to pay my taxes. Not even close. Yeah, not, not <laughs> even close. Not even close. You have to be a, a big fish uh, and all of that. We're talking Jonah-sized fish. But anyway, this is a really nice, you know, nice section, the transfiguration. And, uh, of course, when we talk about that, uh, you know, the, the way that, you know, chapter 16 ended there, truly, I tell you, some are standing here that will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different ways, you know, we can look at that. You know, when do we fully see the Son coming in his kingdom, of course, it's seen partially in the resurrection. It's seen partially in his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and it'll be completed, you know, at his return. Uh, and, and the transfiguration is obviously a, a, a picture of that, or a foretaste of, mm-hmm. you know, the glory of Christ. And you have him, you know, with both Elijah and with Moses, and it really combines the whole biblical story together. Yeah. They're they're telling the story visually that we've been. You know, telling all you know all year long, mm-hmm. you have uh, you have the law, and the prophets, and, and the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, in the person of Moses representing the law, Elijah uh, representing the prophets, and Jesus the fulfillment mm-hmm. of the law, mm-hmm. and the prophets, and the gospel, and and so it's a, a really incredible portrait that you have. And again, we have the presence of God. You know, we, we saw yeah. the baptism of Jesus, but here again, you know, speak, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You know, and if we are reading with those Old Testament, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, words in mind we're, and images in mind, we're reminded that, you know, God, the way that God, you know, met with the people of Israel was yeah. in the form of a cloud. You know, the cloud descends oh, yeah. upon the mountain when the, the tabernacle's filled with. His presence, the cloud descends, and mm-hmm. and so you just get this image here of this is not some kind of ordinary moment, but instead no. the, the the father is again you know ministering here and and speaking these words that that are play an important part in Matthew's gospel. No kidding, it, and it, it's you know whenever you see a cloud, it, it has two you know two functions. One is mm-hmm. is is to conceal, and the other is to reveal. Uh, it is a reminder, you know, that the cloud covers the glory of God because it is far, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beyond our ability, you know, to look upon. So that's part of the function. But the other is to reveal His presence. So you have a bright, shining cloud, uh, which is both, you know, uh, not the full revelation of God's glory, but a incredible portrait in, in Revelation, you know, of God's glory. Uh, and of course, Peter again, you know, this is another instance. And, and Jesus is not quite so harsh with him. I think God kind of takes that role in this particular one, or God the Father takes that you know, particular role. Uh, in, 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 in this one, you have him having in mind the things of men rather than things of God. And, of course, that's our tendency, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is such a great spiritual 
experience. Let's preserve it forever. Good to be here. You know, it is so good to be here. Let's you know just build an encampment here and have you know a lot of people coming up to our retreat and having spiritual experiences. And let's just stay on this you know kind of you know kind of high. And in this particular instance, the father that said, "This is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased." Which kind of means to Peter. And, and you're stepping out of each one of those categories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, you never step out of sonship and you never step out of the Father's love. But he, again, he does not have uh, in mind uh, the things of God, but the things of men. It seems to me that um, as we look at this, that so much is escalating um, in how you know Jesus is really revealing himself and showing the things to come. And a lot of this is with Peter. I guess what I appreciate is how Peter has these moments um, and then these other moments where, you know, he shines and then also where, you know, he lives kind of in the daily, you know, part of just the flesh. And I just appreciate the feeling of the kingdom talk here too and just that it's kind of the yet, not yet, and that Peter finds himself in, understanding this even better that you know the kingdom what that looks like and yet he's having to deal with taxes and it feels so daily again but i just appreciate just how this all looks we go from the mountaintop to taxes and it just feels like the kingdom and yet not yet so yeah of course we move from the mountaintop to a, yeah. a demon possession that yeah. you know is beyond their ability and of course jesus you know uh uh you know, has given them, you know, different type of the ability to, you know, to do this. And, and, and of course, they, they failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, then you have uh, Jesus reminding them of his coming death. Then you have, you know, taxes. Mm-hmm. It didn't get any more common, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the way that it ends. It's extraordinary, extraordinary. And then, you know, very common down mm-hmm. to it. And then even verse 20, you know, going back to the demon-possessed boy, and obviously the disciples, they're not able to do it. And, um, they couldn't drive it out because you have a little faith. You know, I tell you, if you have the faith of a small mustard seed, you can say that mountain, move, and here, and it'll go there, and it'll move. You know, how small is my faith then? If, you know, you know, he's asking me just a small bit of faith that can do these amazing things, and, and yet, you know, wanting to think, well, I, I surely have a, a lot of faith, right? You know, and, and then realizing so often I do find myself like disciples just mm-hmm. unable to, you know, outside of, Unable to outside of myself, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and of course, you know the real question is, what do you what do you do when you find yourself on the on the receiving end of this rebuke? You have so little faith, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Or as you know, we you know, saw uh, earlier, you know, you perverse and yeah, unbelieving and perverse. And of course, you know that word there, you know, perverse. I'm not sure is a great translation. It just means crooked, not in the sense of, of of wicked, but all twisted around. You're all twisted around the axle. You know, you you're just really not you're not getting it, and you have mm-hmm. the wrong kind of concerns. You know that are mm-hmm. you know you're moving together. But you know when you find yourself on the receiving end of the rebuke, and we all should. Mm-hmm. We are people of small faith. What do you do? I'm just going to try harder to believe more. Yeah, wow. We need to realize that where our faith comes from. Mm-hmm. It is the same thing that we saw whenever you know uh, Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ. It's a work of Father in us. And so when we find our faith small, it's not that we try to manufacture faith. We move into the presence of God, and he mm-hmm. gives us the gifts. And not to move mountains, 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think you know that that's anywhere what he's saying, but to do uh, the things that he has called us to do. And he, he gives us both the desire and the ability to follow through on the things that he is calling mm-hmm. us into. And it comes from being in the presence of the Father. Mm-hmm. And Mark would add by that, and you need to pray. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they've come to a place where they're depending on themselves you know, rather than depending on God. And just remembering too, the man that would say, "Forgive my unbelief, help me believe." Yeah, you know, Lord, I, I so, believe, help yeah. my unbelief, yeah. and, and that's where we will find ourselves until the day we see Him and remember yeah. why. Yeah, why didn't we more fully, <clears throat> you know, trust Him mm-hmm. and, and know Him? Yeah. Cindy, you mind closing us? With no, prayer? I don't mind. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for letting us see the incredible glory of Christ um, in these beginning words. And then thank you, Father, for letting us see again the picture and the portrait of Peter, um, realizing that um, it is a a kingdom not yet, um, and so there is this daily living. But Father, just help us to understand um, all that you're accomplishing in our life and that um, you are moving us in a direction, a forward direction, while sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but you are in control, and you are doing your work in our hearts, and we thank you deeply for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.